Ask a fish head anything you want to. They won't answer. They can't talk. Fish head, fish head, roly poly fish head, fish head, fish head. Eat him up, yum. It's the crossover collaboration you've been waiting for. Review a new and going off are going in and reviewing over a, I didn't plan this far into going my in new. yeah we're going in new <laughs> <laughs> review off it's, it's the, that sounds like a contest <laughs> yeah actually it's the it's the uh, fairly odd parents and uh, uh, Jimmy Neutron collab <laughs> wouldn't that like a didn't that happen uh, what's I, the two shows that had like a collab episode movie on Nickelodeon I, or something. I could have sworn it was specifically Fairly Odd Parents and Jimmy Neutron because I remember seeing the style of the like style Jimmy of Neutron. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that sounds right. Yeah, like I feel like I was out of like watching shows at around the, those shows at around that time because like when I look back on my timeline I always, I always see like I stopped watching stuff sooner than I thought I did. Like with Pokemon I stopped playing it sooner than I thought I did. I stopped playing it by like 11 or 12, I stopped watching um, um, Nickelodeon, like, around, like, 2002, 2003, and so I realized, like, oh, yeah, like, that show that, like, by the second or third, like, season of Spongebob, like, I was off of it, and, like, same goes for, like, Fairly Odd Parents after, like, the first two seasons, like, after that, it's just like, no, I was either on Cartoon Network or I'm watching MTV music videos or something, Stuff you know? Stuff <laughs> younger kids than we think about, like, yeah. my six-year-old was playing Minecraft today. I walk in the room and he was playing Minecraft and like handling it pretty well and and mm. navigating. I was like, "What? what, what who taught you <laughs> to do this? When he Yeah, okay. I guess if your brain like likes the patterns yeah. and it starts doing it, then yeah, yeah. it does it, yeah. RC, you were thinking of the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour, which was mm. in fact a Jimmy Neutron Fairly Odd Parents, a three-part crossover. So you are correct, sir. Yeah, but I think that was like right out of the time where I was like interested in the the first one was two thousand four. The last one yep. was two thousand six. Two thousand four. So it was like a one a year thing. Yeah, I feel like like two thousand three was like right as I was like I saw it that it was yeah. happening, but it didn't excite me because I'm already watching you know Futurama. On, you know what I'm saying? Like in whatever other probably Family you Guy. You caught it out of the of, corner of your eye. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, I, I wanted to make that reference earlier to the Fishhead songs because I um. You know, based technically on the movie that we're talking about today, but I didn't want to actually reference uh, a piece or work by Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, because he, he sucks. Um, but also because that melody, a lot of people say, is uh, uh, is similar to the uh, the what's that song from Music of the Night on Phantom of the Opera? It's, Wait, they the say it's similar head, to the Fishhead song. Fishhead sounds like music. Yes. Wait. It's the part in the middle of the verse. It's like um, the part where it's uh, nighttime sharpens, heightens each sensation. It's like slightly. Nighttime sharpens, heightens each sensation. You know. Yeah. There you go. Uh, but we're not talking about Phantom of the Opera. That's today. right. We're talking about something even weirder. Uh, Phantom. Phantom of the of Paradise. Paradise. That's right. I keep having to go like, because I feel like I'm mixing like two movies every time I want to say the name of the movie. Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> this, this movie is a mashup of, of a few things. Absolutely. You've got Phantom of the Opera and <laughs> Faust yeah. and the picture of Dorian Gray mm-hmm. and birds. And, 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 you know, in a really like, I mean, absolutely retroactive way, uh, Interstellar 555. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? No, not offhand. Like, I was just thinking in the fact of, like, 
you know, retroactively, like, okay, so this movie is, uh, has, like, the big bad guy who kind of looks like Phil Spector. Like, even my not-rock-music-known ass, <laughs> as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, that's Phil, Be- uh, Phil Spector-looking ass, ain't it supposed to be? You know, and in, in the Interstellar 555, there's also, like, a big bad music producer guy who clearly is Phil oh. Spector because he is the bad guy of music. <laughs> they, they also, there's a point in which there are singers in Kiss makeup. They look like Kiss. Absolutely. And, but it was oh, right yeah. before Kiss had really gotten what? gotten off the ground. It was before? Well, Cause I, it had Because I was like, that's so particular, and especially to the idea of them doing, like, the outlandish stage shows I'm like ooh they're making fun of them like right as they're coming up because it's 74 right it might have been that somebody was just that hip and had seen this like little known band and was referencing them but it was also a reference to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari and there's references there's a reference to Psycho that's Mm -hmm. pretty there's there's a lot Mm. there's a lot of references but uh uh, yeah, maybe we should, uh, should back up. This is Brian De Palma. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, today we're, we've decided to, uh, we've decided to say F it and do a crossover review and have all these three voices coming at you at one time. Uh, RC, you know me, uh, in the place to be, uh, and, and, and we got my man Evan over here and we got Butress, Butress, Butress Muse, uh, <laughs> coming to us in North Carolina. <laughs> You know, so we decided to do do it for the people. You know, to um, review yeah. this crossover like idea. I think musicals are kind of like the best crossover idea, right? Yeah. You well, know, then it's got we've got the movie and the music. Exactly. And exactly. And, yeah. Uh, so today we're reviewing, yeah, Brian De Palma's uh, uh, Phantom of the Paradise from 1974, a movie mm. that. So on the review new podcast, you know, I mean, on in general, you know, we take Kofi requests. But also, uh, Evan had said to me, like, you know, how about we do one of our own, like, you know, just a movie that we want to do. And I was like, all right. And he just brought up Phantom of the Paradise. He specifically wanted to do that one. I was like, I mean, okay. Like, I literally never heard of it before. So I was just like, Mm. and he showed me a scene that was, like, really interesting. So I was like, okay, you know, I want to see what the rest of this looks like, you know? Um, And I remember, I remember now, I remember, oh, hold on, I'm sorry. Let me backtrack. I'd never seen it before this week. Mm. Um... Getting me to watch a movie is uh, is kind of hard these days, just with like timing and whatever. But mm-hmm. f- to do a podcast episode about it is a pretty uh, pretty good way of twisting my arm. The first time <laughs> I ever uh, heard of this movie was thanks to um, another uh, reviewer, old uh, Diamanda Hagen. Oh yeah. Right in her wheelhouse. <laughs> yes. Um, but um, I always thought it looked very, very interesting. And everything about it sounded cool. The aesthetic was very intriguing. Uh, Brian De Palma, <clears throat> never one of my faves. Yeah. Only I... because I've I've only right. seen a couple movies. Uh, I liked Carlito's Way. I remember that. I remember on going off, we've we've talked about Scarface a few times. Yeah, and how, I don't know. It might might not have aged the best. No, might be one of the more overrated from the eighties. Yeah, and as someone who like who who grew up on like you know uh, Italian monster movies because my mom was really into them. Uh, you know, Godfather's like you know the best and all that sort of stuff. Like that one was always the one that I never really remembered hearing about that much. You know, so it was just kind of like, oh yeah, there, there's you know Goodfellas and Godfather and 
and then there's the like the Scarface one. But then you kind of like look at hip hop, and it's like, whoa, everyone likes Scarface. Obsessed. Like, uh, okay, yeah. You know. Yeah. And he also did Carrie though, so we got to give it up for that. Okay. Okay. That is true. That's true. Got to give it up for that one. All right. And. And, but he's mainly known and then for, there's this yeah and he's mainly known for doing thrillers and weird stuff uh, i saw he did a movie called dionysus in 69 which is this weird like uh I, I didn't like watch it but i had seen something about it being like a split screen live action showing of this like avant-garde band or something like uh, like troop or something oh. like that and it was like like one of those weird sort of like whoa only like a you know gutsy artsy type director would like take on something like this and it was like huh that's kind of interesting and then in this movie there's a scene where there's like a long split sequence there's a split lot frame of sequence. split scenes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And it's all really, like oh it, it, this must be like his Spike Lee calling, calling card thing here yeah it's definitely it's definitely a, a favorite technique of his and the split scenes really reward multiple viewings because you yeah. can't you can't really fully you can't appreciate take it in. <laughs> what is going on in both sides at the same time. Yeah, it overloads uh, you in an interesting way. I just looked up Dionysus in 69. First of all, I love that this is so proto this that right. the performance group's name in the movie is literally the performance group and it stars William Finley, star of... Uh, Phantom of the yes. Paradise. <laughs> what a crossover! Wow. Right. I might have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't seen that one. Um, I found out something last night doing some reading that so the uh, the the record company, the production company in the movie is called Death Records. Death Records. Which I very love that subtle guys. I realized like. I, I feel dumb, but I, this t- th- I didn't realize until my repeat viewing last night that I was like, oh, wait, that's a pun. Death Records, I get it. But also, it was apparently a last-minute change because it was supposed to be called Swan Song because hmm. he swan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... Um, which the, also relates to death, right? right. Oh, that's yeah. Zeppelin, isn't it? And then the yeah, the Led Zeppelin, the manager of Led Zeppelin, uh, started a, a record company called Swan Song. Swan Song at, oh. at exactly the same time, and sort of oh, just damn. and just beat the movie by a few months, and so they had to scramble at the last minute uh, and change everything to say Death Records. So already this movie's in competition with uh, the music of the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I really love the logo they used for the record label, the though. Like, record. I literally... Ooh, yes. I really want a Death Records shirt. Like, yes. ju- just the way it uh, unspools, like, uh, just the way the movie starts just to get into it. Oh, like, yeah. it, it looks like a freaking Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. End, like, someone talking about what's happening. It's- and you see, it's very Hitchcock. Yeah, you're seeing an image like that's really close up, but like getting further away as it's swirling like in your face onto the screen. And you're saying like, oh, it's like a bird, and it's oh, it specifically looks like it's a dead bird. You know, like yeah, and I, the, I the Hitchcock that. references are are sprinkled. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um. But yeah, so we get into the movie uh, proper, which is like. Basically, it starts off with uh, they, they set it up in the intro, basically saying like you know this is the the uh, the story of uh, like what a man a man's music 
uh, a beautiful woman who sang it, and the monster who tried to take it from her, or something like that. You know, doing the classic setup of like, oh, you thought the monster is this guy, but the monster's actually, you know. We, I think we were about to learn who the real monster is as we watch this film. Uh, <laughs> and, and it frames Swan. We see Swan right in the first scene where we don't, we just kind of see it from his yes, perspective yes, when yeah. we're seeing his hand. And yeah, so it's such a... Uh, no, I was just like immediately thinking like it's so aesthetically like this movie is so like what's that word? Um it's bold. stylistic yeah, like looking very, but we yeah, go on what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. And um, with the intro, there's yeah. So, yeah, there are things um there's a bit of a, a red herring or a mislead at the at the top because you've got his his uh, henchman um <laughs> Philbin uh, is talking to him about some pop star that they that they yes. made, and then she cut the contract with them. And oh, and this. she thinks she's some funny, dirty, right. good girl and, now, and she's going to be and nice so to people. So we think like, oh, this is going to have a major role to play, and it turns out, no, no, it has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. That was just the last pop star he yeah. used, you know. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it takes place like you see this first person perspective through him, and like the filming guy is just like looking at him and telling the whole story of like the background of like, yeah, this is what that you got to do, and as you like. Like, you see through his perspective, you could see, like, him, like, you know, like, on his knees in front of, uh, in, in front of, uh, uh, Swan. And then you can also see, like, him being able to see out throughout this, like, really huge stage that he kind of presides over. And, like, all these people that are, like, you know, it, it starts off with, like, someone singing a song, like, you know, uh, singing for him, his group, what was yeah, it, the Juicy, the Juicy Fruits. Fruits. Yeah, and, and the then Juicy... pans up to him from his perspective watching <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, the Juicy Fruits, this is, it's interesting sort of what happens because we see several different bands and groups throughout that are yeah. all the Juicy Fruits. Yeah. And sometimes they're maybe supposed to, like the original people are supposed to be dead, but we just see them again and it's like clearly the same people, but maybe supposed to be different characters. But it's interesting the way that... Um, I also, there's, there's a point later where I think the actor who plays Beef appears as another character very briefly, so... Um, but yeah, there, there's a there's a lot of interesting sort of theatrical stylized conventions happening where we see actors yeah. playing uh, multiple characters and multiple bands, and it doesn't overtly draw too much attention to them. I don't think mm. uh, to the fact that they're the same actors, but it's but it's neat. Like there's something about the fact. It's, oh, go on. It's like the movie Tommy. Yeah, uh, by the Who, mm -hmm. where the members of the Who each play like four different characters throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. I for one didn't notice that it was the same people until the ending credits so they did a really good job of disguising them it, yeah it was one of those things where it like niggled at my brain where i was just like Wait, who like you know what i mean like that type of thing yeah <laughs> they so the juicy fruits the uh, first incarnation of them anyway they're a 50s nostalgia band set in the 70s but they're a 50s nostalgia greaser it's band. Sha -na -na. oh yeah in fact mm -hmm. this uh like the way this movie kind of is framed is kind of like the chronal the chronologizing what's the chronologizing of like mute popular music up to that point and and kind of framing it as if swan is the one who's like made the way for it like he brought blues mm. to uh uh you know england he brought liverpool to america you know he brought the 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 nostalgia wave uh mm. to this so it's kind of like framing all these things and it's kind of funny because like now we can use so many more decades to be like you know this represents all of music in the time but like it's kind of funny to see like the sort of truncated version you have to do yeah. when it's only 1974 I, you know <laughs> I, need the, I need the music experts here to tell me because I know I've heard actual songs. So the song the Juicy Fruits are singing is this over-the-top, melodramatic, partially spoken word uh, oh, yeah. piece. 
about about a guy about a singer who kills himself Yo, so God. that his album will sell better and then they can afford his sister's operation that she needs. Right. And that was fucking phenomenal. It's so funny. <laughs> what an and intro. I'm like, I know that I've heard actual songs like that, but yeah. I couldn't name one. And I <laughs> Right? And it's like they're scratching at some like common thing. It's like, it's like I song. know that was a thing in like the 50s early 60s of that you know very melodramatic narrative oh and of course and of course they have the like a latino dude singing which like it it first felt odd to me but then i was thinking like but that was a specific sensation in the 50s of like you know the richie valens and the, you know what i'm saying like mm. that was such a specific yeah. thing of those like guys getting that spotlight yeah, you know which his accent sounds he has a really thick accent when he's doing the spoken word part but then it <laughs> yeah. might be even a different person's voice when he's singing. Yeah, it threw there's me off a lot first. of yeah. there's a lot of very very obvious dubbing in the movie also, and not just with the singing. There, we'll we'll get yeah. to another. But, scene. but then I thought like, isn't that kind oh, of what God. they did? You know, yeah. like back then where it's just like you want to sound American when you're singing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But then it's like, well, when I'm talking, I, I have no choice but to sound right, like Latino. Right. But you know, it's that sort of thing. You know. Yeah, but uh, but they're doing this this very ridiculous song, and he stabs himself with a toy <laughs> knife on stage yeah. and. <laughs> Uh, and flails around, and oh, and as as the movie unfolds, like you know, that's a reference to what the story is, and then like the actual story that the musician that the main story is about, his story in the in the work itself is about you know uh, a Faustian bargain, and it deals with the devil in order for your music mm-hmm. to like sell. So it's like it's this whole uh, like. Yeah, Echoing back lot, to itself yeah, narrative, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Synecdoche, there's a lot of synecdoche, a lot of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it starts off, basically, um, uh, this guy is... Somehow he just gets in and he starts playing his music. In well, a I, I think it's that um, as somebody who has been the unwanted performer doing something during the intermission because they mm. let me, <laughs> I think that's what's happening is that yeah. just uh, Winslow Leach, who is... Uh, who is our protagonist, sort of, is this nerdy-looking guy who's playing piano and singing and, and doing this very, you know, like, kind of flopping around. Elton John sort uh, of Elton performance. John. Yeah, but singing, you know, singing a very pretty song um, in the middle of the stage and everybody's just sort of ignoring him because mm. uh, he's just sort of going on between acts and mm. Swan is uh, and Swan is is impressed. Yeah, he's enamored and he's like, Wait, I want that sound. And the guy, you know, uh, Philbin is like, what, what, that creep? You want him singing your song? He's like, no, 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 I don't want him. <laughs> I want his song. Because <laughs> that sound's going to be the new sound. So that's basically, you know, how, how, how we're showing how, you know, the music business operates here. Yeah. So, so Philbin uh, goes back to Winslow's dressing room and, um, and uh, and basically, you know, is trying to butter him up and saying, oh, yeah, we love the music. We want to talk. You know, Swan wants to talk to you. Come on, give us. And Winslow explains that he's actually writing this huge cantata that is telling the story of Faust. And Philbin, you know, doesn't know who that is. And uh, <laughs> yeah, <doesn't get> <laughs> who's he signed with? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is some really great, great little little uh, one liners <laughs> there. Um, but uh but Winslow naively agrees to, although we, we see a little bit of temper because you've got this yes. sort of mild-mannered nerd. And then and when he says, Philbin oh, yeah, says, we'll get the Juicy Fruits to sing his stuff and, and it'll pop. It'll and Philbin throws him up against the wall <laughs> and says, nobody's allowed to sing this but me. Yeah, nobody, you hear me? And he specifically calls them grease monkeys, which I was yeah. like, is that, is that a, is this a slur? 
I think he, he says he says grease balls. Yeah, yeah, grease yeah. ball. Like a, a reference to like greasers, but like greasers, yeah. Yeah, I, like I think that's like uh, like the fifties style, but also like specific to Italians though, right? Yeah. Like Well, so he uh so he gets a flare of temper and then immediately just go, Oh, I don't know what came over me. And, right. Um and very naively agrees to just hand over all of his sheet music to Philbin with no nothing signed or anything. So, so um can I just say, out the gate, mm. I, f- I personally found it very hard to sympathize with Winslow. Oh, most definitely. For most of the movie? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> so, f- you, you literally wrote this whole thing about a person signing a deal with the devil, and at no point realized the similarities in right. your own actions. You didn't think, huh, this is a slight bit ironic, isn't it? Maybe I should maybe rethink this. It's your life work, your masterpiece, your most passionate opus, and you didn't think about it at all, huh? I'm saying, yeah, it's like... <laughs> you know, let it slip out of your fingers. Although you could, you could also say, you know, people have sometimes blind spots that you wouldn't expect. People sometimes... Uh, mm. Are you know most um, uh, you know the thing that you would think? Uh, yeah. So you know just he, he the, just the got overwhelmed of, by the physician like, heal thyself sort of thing. Yeah, uh, and just being overwhelmed by like oh my god, someone cares and they're gonna help me and so sure I'll give it to him. And but then like a month goes by. Yeah, but it is just on the surface. Like you just handed over your sheet music and said, "Okay, bye, Mister Record, Mister Record Industry." Right? Mr. Record Industry Heavy, like, yeah. thank you. I, I'm sure you'll do right by me. Yeah, and like and like we mentioned earlier, he does have a temper and is a bit of a douchebag. And like, yeah, <laughs> so Win- he's not the perfect guy. Like, yeah, yeah. Win- Winslow is, is, he's not is the sweet, far from perfect. Yeah, he's not the but, sweet, you know, like, musician who, oh, shucks, just needs a chance. Like, no, he's a bit of a douche. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, he, so he shows up at... It's supposed to be New York, right? Yes. It de- it's a lot of it doesn't look like New York. Well, um, this this movie particularly looks like it's on a very small sound stage. Well, <laughs> and some of it was shot in uh, some of it was shot in California. Some of it was shot mm. in Austin, apparently, um, or somewhere in Texas. I think it was Austin. Uh, but it, it had a bit of a, anybody who's lived in New York is looking and going, that's way too much space. Yeah. And, but it's like, it, <laughs> but for, for the space it has, it's a very, like, especially with how they move the camera, it's a very cramped film. Mm-hmm. Like, there is oh, yeah. so much where action happens and they're like right up against the person's mm-hmm. face as they're saying it. Like, characters are like really in their faces when you're seeing like scenes unfold, especially to show you the tenseness of like, you know, this record exec who's like really trying to like push mm-hmm. this deal on you. You know what I'm saying? And so, it's the, and also, so the, the interior of Death Records reminds me of a cross between a monochrome version of the like the beginning of Willy Wonka's factory where, mm. where they're all having to stoop down <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, and something out of Clockwork Orange. I was just about to say Clockwork yeah. Orange. Yeah. And, <laughs> and my wife was watching this with me and pointed out that all of the doorways are really low. Like, you, like everybody who isn't oh. particularly short has to kind of stoop to get under the doorway. Right, and in, William Leach is a building. particularly lanky dude. Right. And so you notice him. Yeah, like, and, yeah. and it may just be that Swan's kind of short and he likes everything to be scaled to himself. But the, the movie mm. is doing, like, stylistic yeah. things because there's a certain point where, like, you know, you see... Um, someone's doing an audition. I think the the girl that he's enamored with, her name mm-hmm. is Phoenix, and she, like, runs out because she's like, no, I don't want to do, you know, whatever the exec tells me to do. 
wait, no. It's weird because she doesn't want to do whatever she just wants to sing earlier. But then later on, she's like, I'll do whatever to be famous. And I was like, but I thought you had integrity earlier. Whatever. Well, they, so her character evolution is is interesting. And we we'll, we should talk about that. But, yeah, um, but yeah when she's there, there's... Uh, so, so Winslow gets thrown out of death records after the secretary notices that uh, his file says never to be seen. Yeah. And, and he follows somebody to Swan's house, his mansion, the Swan That's what happens. Okay. And they're holding the audition for all these girls inside this, this mansion. And there's a, a very, very literal casting couch yeah. that we see just through this like cartoonishly like Ozian like a 70s sort of Austin Powers rotating bed sort of shit well, yeah and, but it's we see through this this very tiny door and even Phoenix who's a you know fairly average sized woman has to duck um, out of that but yeah we see we see her running out of there because the casting couch is literally just a line of girls getting tossed onto a couch Philbin, I think, jumping on them for a second and pawing them and yeah. then tossing them over the back of the couch yeah and um, I think what what's it, it, the sequence of events here is like kind of screwy because like there's a scene where at the end of one scene he tries to get into contact Swan and then the, these really two super tall guards like take him up and they go like you know they they pick him up and they're like you know where do you think you're going and he's like oh I was kind of hoping to go to the hardware store and he's like well no, thinking of her. no like, he says a department store oh. and then he goes and buys a dress. Oh, that's what that's about. Oh, yeah. Because okay. the next scene is so like, what the hell? Like, how did he get in yeah, again? I like, I didn't catch that until the second time I, I watched it. Yeah, okay. he says, "Where's the department store?" And then he comes back and he's wearing a dress. And because he already has kind of long hair, yeah. And we just see. So this was one of the scenes where I thought the overdubbing was really hilarious. So we oh, got yes. this this oh, giant God. Austin Powers style circular couch, like you said, with all these girls, just sort of sexy girls in slips, like you know, caressing each other. And um, and they're all talking, but it's so obvious. It sounds it like was, it's like a kung fu movie it the way like it's overdone. It's so funny, and we we see uh, one one person who is wearing more of a granny dress, <laughs> yeah, uh, that we only see from the back, and then. Swan comes in and Winslow just like turns around and is like, "Oh hi, oh yeah. hi, Mister Swan, it's me, Winslow Leach. You remember me?" Like, and it's this movie's so campy because he looks like a fish that's like swimming, like as his yeah. like head is bobbing. He's like, "Hey, remember me?" And then you see hear this like sort of like Gregorian, no, like sort of like Middle Eastern sort of music playing, and it's like, Ta-da! and then like it pans over to Swan, and you just see him in all his Phil Spector looking ass glory, and then he says. He says, get this faggot out of here. Yeah. And just, just completely, like, just completely, like, doesn't react at yeah, all. Just right. Says that. No. And they, and they, um, and so then this, this is a lot of plot that happens really fast because Winslow gets beaten up and tossed outside and then two cops find two him. Two black cops, specifically. And they, and they very, they're clearly being paid off by Swan and they right. very, very just unabashedly drop a condom full of heroin into his purse. <laughs> and the next thing we see, he's in Sing Sing. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it happens so quick. Like, it's like a comic book, the way this yeah. next sequence yeah. of events just happens. It's, where it's just like, he, he gets life in prison and there's like a... There's a uh, oh, yeah. It's like, it's like, they don't even see it. We don't see a courtroom. We just see a judge <laughs> on a podium in blackness with a giant American flag behind him where it says life in prison and Winslow just turns around to the camera like, what? I was framed! <laughs> I know. Uh, so Look, <laughs> I gotta point out. I, I I personally 
love the pacing of this movie <laughs> because it doesn't waste your time like at any turn. Yeah. Everything like it is a very tight hour and a half mm-hmm. mm. and it gets everything it needs to accomplish in that time done in a very timely way. And that point in particular where yeah, it doesn't waste your time with the specifics <laughs> of of like how you remember in Clockwork Orange there was so much time devoted to right. him in prison and all of the things. It's like no no no. We're it's like smack you're in prison. You, this and now you're out, and now you, and, and, and you break out. Now you're over here. Now he's doing this. Yeah, we get we, we get to the good part fast because what we want to see is him becoming the, the monster. The, 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 and so yeah, right. so he's in prison. They say we're doing a dental experiment. All your teeth are getting taken out. He gets all his teeth replaced with with a chrome or steel or something dent like implants. Yeah. And then he escape. He hears that Swan is going to be performing his music and gets so angry while he's working in assembly line yeah, and he okay. he beats up this assembly line foreman and jumps into a box that goes down a chute and then literally and, the, and the next thing we see is that box falling out of the back of a truck in Manhattan and he just gets out and runs Love back it. into the record company and, and, and mind you this re- like the record company apparently owns this jail this local jail because yeah. uh, Death Records is owned by him because oh, yeah. he's like they're playing his music on the radio and like specifically is like oh uh, the uh, the uh, the person who's made a generous donation, Mr. Swan, to this uh, yeah. organization has this new thing that well, we're trying to do for his record. Sing. I mean, it's the real yeah. prison Sing Sing, which that's a, you know, there's a pun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that he just basically owns Sing Sing. So Winslow just conveniently pops out of a box in Manhattan after <laughs> yes. escaping from jail. Runs, like you said, no wasted time. He literally like runs into the record company, runs past the secretary just starts trying to, you know, trying to wreak havoc, and he gets his head caught in a record press. Oh, yeah, he gets his, like, his, uh, the, the, like, part of his, his, uh, the sleeve on his arm gets caught in, like, a, yeah, a, so a trigger. And yeah. so his yeah. head is pressed in a record press, and he runs outside squeaking. And he had gotten shot by a police oh. officer, didn't he? And he, he got, he got But sh- they didn't show the shooting. Like, I, th- I think we hear something. He gets shot, and so he's... Got his his head's been in a record press. Mm-hmm. He's got silver teeth, and he's been shot, and he's like dragging himself along, going. Ee, ee, ee. Well, it's a very visceral scene and, too. That we and see the throws yeah. himself into the East River, and then we see mm. newspaper. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> song writer was killed. Yeah, like Mad Tune Smith. Yeah, just an overwrought <laughs> version of like saying like dude who writes songs was killed. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and it makes you also appreciate just some like time differences because this was 1974, so really before even home video got popular. And it holds on that it holds on that little story for long enough for you to oh. actually read the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, which they, I feel like that isn't done as much anymore because they're like, ah, you're just gonna come back and read it later. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, and then the next thing is, and this was before Star Wars, so mm. this 
Like, we hear, we hear Darth Vader breath, but it's before Darth Vader. <laughs> and we're seeing things from Winslow's perspective. Oh, that's right, as he which walks. Which is, is interesting, too, because at the very top you see from Swan's point of view. True. And then once Winslow has thoroughly become a monster, we're seeing from his point of view. Uh, oh, we should stop real quick, and because we didn't really m talk that much about Phoenix. Right. Because we met her. So we met Phoenix when Winslow was first trying to get into Swan the Swanage and saw mm. the girls auditioning. Yeah. And Phoenix... Uh, you, he walks into the Swanage and all these girls are just singing his music horribly. It's just that <laughs> this cacophony of awful singers warming up. And then uh, and then there's a close-up of this, you know, very pretty girl singing singing well. And it's really funny because she's this is Jessica Harper. Yeah. And she mm. has got this little bitty baby face and yet she's got this very rich A very voice. um what's her name? Um I always mix all these shanties. Is uh, who's saying gypsies, tramps, and the share, share yeah, a very that type of voice. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like that rich. Share. Yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and so and so he has this little moment of duetting with her and encouraging her and saying, you know, how much she loves her singing. And so he has a moment with Phoenix um, before all all of the shit goes down and he ends up in sing sing. So so he's now um, thoroughly you know disfigured and he goes into the into the paradise and I, and i believe he immediately goes to the costume department and grabs yeah. this silver owl helmet and a and a cape and yeah, some, got and, some <laughs> and some grease paint i think because he puts yeah. on makeup somewhere in there he puts on he puts on black lipstick and eyeshadow somewhere in there yeah fucking iconic yeah, <laughs> yeah it looks looks very cool and this is the scene where he he confronts uh, Swan, right? And, well, so oh wait, then there's the big scene where he puts the bomb in the the car yeah, on the set, right? So then the so, first split screen, yeah. So yes. this is the second time we see the juicy fruits, except they're now the beach bums, uh, <laughs> and they're singing my favorite song. This is my favorite song, not just mm. in the movie. This is my favorite song. Really? See, for me, <laughs> this was a bit of a disorienting moment to where like, and I know they're doing it purposefully, but like. You know, in so like I feel like Brian De Palma as he was making this movie, he's someone who is a movie maker trying to make like trying to bring a stage thing to like film, and he feel it feels like he approaches it in a weird way that's like interesting at some points, but feels like it's not understanding like how you're supposed to like like block something musically if you want it to be as impactful as possible, and like now. It, with with this scene, it feels kind of interesting to me because, like, it has, like, the music playing and a typical person who is, you know, caring about the music and how that would play out, you would hear, like, a lot of the song and hear it very well and be able to hear it the whole time. But with this, it very quickly starts to, like, be unnerving with lots of other sounds, like, well, kind of coming in and, like, yeah. making things really sound really cramped and really loud. I mean, the point of this Like, song, it's so disorienting and weird, you I know? mean, I, I do, I genuinely do love this song. I don't know why. But the point of the song is that it's a really terrible schlocky mm -hmm. uh it's it's taking the music because um you know you've got the w winslow's faust music going like uh you know right and then they've got the turning into i was not myself last night i ran the light and, <laughs> yeah yeah you know, me already on probation and it's supposed to be this like schlocky Beach Boys knockoff. So I think the fact that, you know, we're not supposed to give too much attention to the song really other than noting, oh, it sounds like a shallow pop song using some of the tune and some of the lyrics from Winslow's music mm -hmm. and they're abusing Winslow's music here. 
But it's just, I love, I love the, the chorus is, upholstery, well, my baby sits opposed to me. It's about, it's about car upholstery. Well. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> carburetors, man, that's what life is all about. <laughs> so that's like the thing, I saw this movie once as a kid, and that was the thing that stuck in my head more than anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, uh. Yeah, so, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that we're just not supposed to be paying that much attention to this mm -hmm. song. And of course, you're hearing like a ticking that's playing along with the right. song that's happening as the, so, yeah, bomb goes And it is a in. very disorienting split screen that we're seeing on the one hand, we're seeing the stage point of view with the beach bums singing the song and the, and these girls in bikinis dancing. And then we're seeing backstage where the girls in bikinis are saying, I'm cold. This is just a rehearsal. Why can't I put a coat on? And <laughs> Philbin is like, I'm, you're getting paid so I can look at your tits or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then one of the, the beach bums saying in a, in an Australian accent that he's, he's too tired and, <laughs> He doesn't, and he doesn't feel right about this, and he doesn't want to do. And literally having a handful of pills shoved into his mouth like he's a dog, like having his throat rubbed um, to make him. So, and and so you know, just being force-fed pills and having the girls being made to, to strip, and then they're all shoved on stage. And we've seen the Phantom put a bomb in the back of this this prop car. Um, and so we're just waiting and waiting and all these, like, you know, mo I think all the beach bums and then like three or four bikini girls on the car and right in the middle of a verse, it just blows up. Yeah. yeah. Um, very effective. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was, I think the chaos, I think the chaos was effective cause you're, you're sitting there going, what's happening? What's happening? Oh my God, what's mm. happening? What's happening? Instead of just a sort of, it, it, it's a more natural tension waiting for the bomb to mm. go off than if it was just quiet yeah i get um, what you're saying um yeah and then the the next scene is uh 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 the phantom confronts swan and and swan is just so every time swan <laughs> swan is just like sociopathically chill like when he sees winslow in yeah. his bed of girls and is just like get him out of here and and swan sees winslow in the hall and is just like oh hello winslow and like he doesn't react he has the most chill like british accent like Oh yeah, see. It's it's that like well, it's not even British. It's like that what mid Atlantic. It? It's mid Atlantic. It's that yeah. I'm American, but I want to sound fancy. So yeah, I'm you know what I'm trying to say, right? Sound like, sort of halfway British. Yeah, it, I oh, go I on. I feel like I feel like we've skirted past my favorite thing about this movie what? is that Swan is played by Paul Williams, who is by all accounts the most unassuming fucking person you could have in this super villainy role like this motherfucker wrote rainbow connection oh, and really? here he is oh he he wrote rainbow connection he wrote uh evergreen from a star is born like he's written so much like beautiful stuff he's uh currently the president of the of uh ascap oh, he's just classic hollywood oh. and to have him in this role, this, as someone who's 5'3", small, very unassuming, very not intimidating, but his demeanor makes up for right. it so much that you know something is, like, it, I mean, there are plenty of context clues if you know what you're, if you know what you're looking for that you can kind of piece the uh, puzzle together before it's uh, told to you explicitly, that there is something very devious under the, under the, uh, under the surface here, but it's just this tiny, like, I know earlier you said that he was kind of like a Phil Spector. 
I honestly didn't really make in my head that much of a direct Phil Spector comparison, even though it definitely can be made. Um, but just this this character and being played by Paul Williams, who is just like so squeaky clean image. Yeah. Um, and great. I think that kind of goes for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I love everybody in this movie. I don't think anyone does a, does a poor job, but from 2021 hindsight um for a film that was made apparently only on a uh, 1.3 million dollar budget and besides paul williams having his uh notes as being like a classic songwriter and uh and phoenix appearing in fucking superior uh i almost said it wrong She's in both Suspiria. She's the main, yeah, yeah, the main character in in the original Suspiria, and then she has a small like, role in the in the remake. Besides that, like, um, Winslow, uh, Philbin, Beef, they're mm-hmm. all just like, they all just seem like kind of character actors. Like they don't seem like yeah, they're not huge stars. stars. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, no. And it, but, no one looks like a movie star. It's what I love about yeah, that. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, people uh, said like, well, as soon as I look up stuff about this, there's the immediate comparisons to uh, a Rocky Horror Picture Show, which mm-hmm. I feel like, like, you know, because it's definitely like the similar campy feel with how uh, the story unfolds. It's definitely like chronicalizing music. I keep messing up this word, but chronicalizing, you know, telling music. Chron- into, chronicling? Yeah. Chronicling music. It, it wasn't really that simple, goddammit. Chronicling music, you know what I'm saying? And also, like, uh, uh, you know, um, and also having that scene with Beef at the end where he's like coming out of the, the tank looking like Rocky. You know, like it's... there's that similar like looking aesthetic to it. But it is very different in that it's like it's not n- n- like nearly the same, you know, not nearly the same openly gayness, it's, you know, to it. Well, it's, it's a lot less sexual in general. Yeah. I mean, there's sex in this movie, but the sex isn't. Rocky Horror, the plot is. Two innocent virgins get sexually corrupted yeah, right. by a bunch of kitschy freaks. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the plot of Phantom is essentially the plot of Phantom. It's the plot of Phantom of the Opera, and it's yeah. it's much more. And it's got the supernatural element. Whereas I guess Rocky Horror. I mean, it, it depends if you consider aliens supernatural. So yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's yeah. it there. I can see why people make the comparison, but they actually they're very different. Yeah, they're very also. different. And like I said, I feel like that movie. Does a better job of like being like this is a musical that we turn into a movie as opposed to like this looks like a movie where like they're ma- like using like the techniques of what yeah, a movie yeah, is Rocky but Horror, putting a musical onto it right you know because I mean? Rocky Horror started also that's the other thing is that's that's the other big difference is that Rocky Horror is a musical in the classic sense and yeah. the, the characters burst yes. into song because they have feelings yeah. whereas all the music in Phantom of the Paradise is actually diegetic except for like I believe so like key moments like... there's like one there's a couple of songs that play as sort of soundtracky background songs yeah. um, but you never like Winslow doesn't like stand in the middle of the street in Manhattan after he gets out of Sing Sing and starts singing about yeah. how great it feels to be out of prison. Right. You know, it's it's the the music is music that is happening in the context of the plot. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, yeah. So, so he he confronts Swan backstage at the Paradise, 
after and Swan, you know, and Swan seems fine with the fact it's fine that fine that they just killed um, someone have as, we as seen, performers. I think I cannot I know this was after. So Swan basically talks Winslow into signing this contract in blood and and it's such a it's a moment where you feel like this is somebody who had beef with the industry because <laughs> right. you know, because Swan hands hands him this huge sheaf of contract and Winslow's looking through it's all this legalese he doesn't understand. He's like, What does that mean? And Swan says, Oh, that's for protecting you. Oh, oh and- that's just just a con- mm. That's just a transportation clause, and it's all like, yes. no, no, this is selling your soul. The, the there's specific wording where it's just like, th- like, because what he said was, that's a transportation clause, and it's just like, in the most abstract way of all the words that he just used to describe what's in that contract, like what's said there, like, you could say a transportation, but what he means is a transportation of your shit to my, like, bank account, like shit like that, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's very much a, you know, yeah, like, Winslow at so many points is is just so naive. Yeah. Um, even mm. after he's become a murderous monster and has like yeah. planted a bomb and blown up six innocent people, he is still just terribly, terribly naive. Yeah. Like you're, yeah. you're weirdly cool about it. Like he just ripped you off and you're like, oh, but I'm sure he wouldn't do it again. <laughs> just yeah. sign this contract in <laughs> <and> blood. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, it's, and it doesn't, because he seems hostile to Swan, but it's not so much that he trusts him as just that he... Swan talks him into believing that he doesn't have any other choice. And I also think that it's like, you know, he still has this ego, right? He's not mm-hmm. a perfect person. He still wants his music to be out there. He still wants to get big, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and so he, there's still a part of him that's like, oh, well, you're going to make the music? Well, and then he's, because uh, his voice has been ruined by all, by the accidents that, that happened mm-hmm. to him earlier. So he's like, well, I want Phoenix to sing my music. She's going to be mm-hmm. the person who sings it and no one else does. And he says, sure, 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 dear boy. Like, we'll oh, get right on Oh, and yeah, it. and Swan hooks him. So he, when he gets to the paradise, all he can do is kind of squeak and squawk and Swan hooks him up with a robotic voice box. So when he's talking, he sounds like, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. But then he also can be hooked up to a much... He, he's got this little round carpeted room where he can be hooked up to all these machines. And the the scene where Swan um, is adjusting everything to until his mm. voice sounds good was like... For me, that was like our oddly satisfying. I just I find that so... <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but I just find like that him adjusting it until it gets just right. And his singing voice, the phantom singing voice is... Is also um, Paul Williams. That's oh, um, okay. yeah. That's that's the same. That's the same voice as Swan. That, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. That he would just put his own voice in there. Um, so whenever we hear the Phantom singing uh, after he becomes the Phantom, that's actually Swan's voice. That's not Winslow so Leach's. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I wanted to point out was. Um, because you, Muse, you had mentioned earlier about all the characters being really good. The one thing that I, I it felt me like, I don't think he was a bad actor, but I think that his direction might have been a little odd. The beef character with how he's supposed to be like, okay, so there's a scene where he's, uh, where Swan is like, it, which I think is stylistically looks really cool, where he's like in the middle of this big record looking thing. And he's like looking oh, at all yeah. the musicians that he wants to like pair with the sound. And he's like, no, it's not right. No, it's not right. And going past each one. And it's a cool freaking sequence, like hearing the different the styles. Different yeah, that, yeah. I think that cowboy is the same actor who played beef. I'm not 100%, mm. but I think that the country oh. singer is also, I think it's Gary. <laughs> Garrett something, yeah. uh, but I think 
Oh, that's yeah. so it, funny. And then it lands on beef, yeah, and he like plays this really hard, like heavy guitar sound inversion of it, and he's like, hmm, there's something in here that I like. And then like, okay, so you know, with the joke of this character being, he starts off sounding like he's this really hard rocker dude, but he's actually really fey, and oh, he's actually really well, he's like a man. macho, he's like a macho camp gay. Yeah, but it's like, it feels like in this way that's like trying to like joke on the, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you thought this metal guy is supposed to be hardcore, but he's actually, oh, I don't, well, so, so thinking in the context of the music scene in the 70s, you know, Mm. his look is like very glam rock. I mean, he's, he's like kind of glittery to start out with and he's got the permed hair and all that. And there was that sense of like, Oh, you know, the, the, the glam rock was gay and that it was effeminate. So I don't think it was necessarily that we're supposed to look at this guy and think, Oh, he must be like super, super hetero macho. Um, and he is my, he's like, like I said, he's like a macho camp gay, Mm. but, um, but I, I don't think, I think that, and I mean, it's hard to say I wasn't around in the 70s, but the the impression that I've got of what the general sense of that kind of glam rock was at the time, I don't think that was supposed to be a contrast. I think that was supposed to be all sort of of a piece with who he is. Like, like that's part of the like, oh, there's a gender bending element to this rock that's happening in the 70s. Yeah, because, moment, well, right? and later... Like, like with like David in, Bowie. Right. But and, that would be late. And, and later in the, well, later in the performance... When Beef is kind of strutting around and and doing these like weird little dances and licking yeah. the guitar, and Wait, all no, that. that would be around That's... the same time because he uh, David Bowie well, was he's... out by them, right? I think so, but but yeah. Beef yeah. is specifically doing Mick Jagger. Mm, oh, okay. like his little his little yeah. chicken, yeah, okay. his little chicken strut thing mm-hmm. is is Mick Jagger. So you know, and and people, I think I think you know, even back then, people had the sense. There's a line in Hair, at least in the movie, where. Uh, the army recruiter says, are you a homosexual son? He says, well, I wouldn't kick Mick Jagger out of bed. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, and I, so I think that that was all, you know. Like, it reminded me of the producers scene, uh, you know, when they're trying to get a, a guy who, you know, is like, uh, uh, what is it, a transgressive of the time. Uh-huh. But it's like five years earlier, so with that, it's like a flower power guy right. who's acting really weirdly effeminate, but it's also weird. Like, I got that similar image energy. Did you get that? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I I think it was, I don't know, it's hard because, like, I think there are things that were very much comments on the music industry of that period, Mm. Um, and so it's a little hard to look back sort of through, God, four decades, no, five, oh my God, that was almost 50 years ago, oh my God, time, time is terrifying, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, the 70s, that's 30 years ago. Yeah, well, Uh, it was this funny thing about, like, the part near the end, like, when they're parodying the Kiss thing, and I had to have that thing in my brain where it's just like, because it looks so much like Kiss, I had the moment, had that moment of like, but this isn't even like the '80s yet, so they have to be talking about this like mm. right as it's happening, right? Like especially the really big stage show and, thing and that, that lots of people have... accuse them of, where it's like, oh, you're just you care more about the stage show and making it look cool rather than you know the yeah. light show rather but than the actual did music. Have, you know? But they did have stuff like that, um, especially if you're looking at like what Phil Spector did, but. Mm. Um, Mm. But yeah, that that scene around the record, somebody pointed, I think I saw this on like TV Tropes, somebody pointed out something really funny that that record desk that that Swan has looks so cool with him sitting in the middle of it, Yeah. but he would have to like scramble over, he'd have to like clamber over <laughs> right, the top in order of to it, get on it to get in the middle of it, <laughs> <laughs> like crawl under it. Yeah, he'd have to look goofy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he picks, he picks beef and then there's, 
Oh, and we um we we missed the moment. We see a little bit of Swan sitting by himself and watching a video of his earlier interaction with Winslow and we don't see the video, we just hear it, but his voice sounds kind of weird and and Swan watching the video is cringing at it. So that's a little bit of foreshadowing that we got there that he's he's watching this video of himself. He sounds really awful in the video and he's and he doesn't seem to like what he's seeing. Um, and then, mm. and then he picks beef and we get this little press conference where Swan has, there's, they've landed a little private air, airplane and we get the exposition that Swan will not be photographed. Um, cause you've got these reporters coming and, and they're being told, you know, by the, by the, the guards, by the bodyguards, do not, you are not to film or photograph Swan. That's oh yeah. Happened. And he's looking like Willy Wonka with the top hat it's, and shit. That was, mm. um, it wasn't supposed to be Willy Wonka. That was a specific reference to, oh. um, I don't think it was, uh, Dr. Oh, it was, um, it's, he's supposed to look like Lon Chaney. That's oh. what he's supposed to look like with the top oh. hat. Yeah. And, they, and then they've got a, a giant coffin standing on end, and the uh, and again the juicy fruits. Although they're not the juicy fruits because the juicy fruits were the beach bums, and then now they're dead. So it's some other people who are the same actors as the juicy fruits, but they're the the, the rock goblins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're I the mean, ones introducing they're called, them. Yeah. They're called the undead at this point, I think. Yeah. And they're standing yeah. on this coffin, and they open it up, and beef is. Uh, all glittered, all wearing glitter, and he's got a skull and crossbones painted on his cheek. Looking especially glam rocky, and, and, you know. <laughs> and he's got his head kind of turned to the side with his eyes closed, and then he slowly opens his eyes and turns his head to the camera and slowly twists his face into a grimace yeah. and starts hissing like a cat. Yeah. Fucking beef sucks so much <laughs> that he goes all the way back around to being fucking amazing. He does, exactly. It's like, <laughs> like, like, when you first see him, it's like, fuck this guy. But then, like, almost immediately, it's like, okay, no, never mind, he kicks ass. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is, he's... I fucking love this guy. Yeah, fucking beef. He's, Beef's an asshole. He is so he's so over the top that it's just like <laughs> that. You know that takes balls to be that over right. the top. To be right. That, yeah. It's like no, no. You've you've earned that. Um, and and they've got this whole backstory. They're telling the press that they found him in Transylvania. Or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh Jesus. Um, yeah. They got to tell the Alice and, Cooper story. And, you know? Oh, and, and forgot to say that. Okay, so so a big plot point here is that. Swan and part of how he's talked Winslow into signing the contract is promising him Phoenix will sing this music. Nobody but Phoenix. And then just right. perversely, Phoenix or uh, Swan's talking to Philbin and he's just like, no, she's perfect. I don't like it. I don't like her perfection. I, I despise perfection in anyone but me. I'm going to find somebody yeah. else. And that's when he picks beef. Yeah. Um, so, so Swan for uh, apparently just out of whimsy uh, decides to, to screw over the promise he made to Winslow and to put Phoenix back in the chorus and to and to go with Beef instead. Yeah, in fact, which oh. which which kind of goes back to what I love about the movie so much is that everything just happens so fast. Yeah, yeah. like we keep, we keep really? jumping over plot points just because there's just a plot point in every moment. Oh yeah, <laughs> and there isn't really a second thought given to anything, and what it's just on to the next thing. Right, because we were watching that, and and my wife said she was like, "But wait, why did why is he putting?" Why is he putting her back in the corner? Because he yeah. wants to. Because he has to. <laughs> okay, there's some, because the story dictates like, there's it. There's some level of me that's just like, okay, Swan, Swan, 
Why do you want to screw over this guy so badly? Why don't you just pay him like you're paying all these other people? And just like, why do you have to have the scene where, no, we must uh, board up the, the room that he's in after he writes my yeah, music he, so I can steal he, it. Yeah, like, the, why? The night of the show, he literally tries to pull a cask of Amontillado. Hey, yeah. another literary <laughs> reference. But he, uh, but yeah, he's, he's, there, there's stuff that didn't fully make sense to me where he says, okay, you're going to rewrite your whole cantata for Phoenix to sing because, you know, Winslow wrote it for his own voice, so you're going to rewrite it for, mm. for an alto. And he, um, and he bricks him, he, he closes him up in this little tiny studio and feeds him nothing but pills. And it's like, he must be incredibly dehydrated. And also I'm thinking like, <laughs> wait, you're bringing the music and finishing it the day of the right. show? Yeah, they're, they're having him write the cantata while, uh, while they're rehearsing. Like, and even Mozart, and this, like, they got the beginning music still, first. Like, it's like okay, he wrote this whole cantata for his own masculine voice and then swan says you got to rewrite it for phoenix but then he casts a male who is then complaining that the music's too high and he yeah. can't sing it it's like why didn't you just take the music that was already there <laughs> but, but, but it was back. so that we could have the the montage of heck the montage of a right so we could have the montage of the phantom trying desperately to write and finish the cantata in time mm. and and swan feeding him pills and then he he passes out with pills oh, yeah. and it looks a like great a, scene and he wrote the end on the music and it like I know this is the 70s so this is impossible but it looks like the end was written by a mouse in Microsoft Paint <laughs> <laughs> and like yeah and he um like Swan pulls the music from underneath the Phantom and you see like a bunch of pills sliding yeah. off of the page and he, and he just sneaks he's off with the cantata and tells the, the masons the bricklayers that he already has posted outside to brick up the wall um, and, and this is, I think that the actual night of the show at this Again, point, it's like, it's what? like the, the time like, anybody who's done theater is like, what, what's wrong with you? Um, you guys just getting this, so, fuck this production. And, uh, and, and the phantom wakes up to find he's been bricked in, but just enraged, just, just, bust, just busts out and we hear him scream. I don't even think you see that, do you? Like how he does it? We don't. It? We just yeah. later see the busted Of course not. <laughs> Action moments um, get missed. I love it. It's, just, it's, just, it's, almost, it's like a cartoon and and then we hear yeah. the scream from Beef's dressing room and yeah. Beef Beef, to his credit, uh, is like tries to get. He's like, no, true. no, this is not right. Nope. <laughs> and we see Philbin outside in the like in the line, like threatening teenage girls who are trying to get into the show. And then we see Beef running around in a Santa Claus jacket. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes down. This Christmas scene. Oh, oh, but we forgot. So, so Beef's in his dressing room singing. Oh and yeah, so the, the reason music. Beef's trying to run away is he's in his dressing room singing. And the Phantom, this is the psycho scene, Beef's, Beef's showering and singing, and the Phantom comes up with a knife, but then just, like, puts a plunger on his mouth and, and threatens him and Beef. You will never sing her songs. This, they're only meant for Phoenix. This, anyone, who's, does it, who, anyone who tries, dies. And there's this amazing little just quick edit gag where we just hear Beef go, ah, and just kind of yeah, fall out of frame. He pulls the plunger off and he just goes, ah, and it just falls out of frame. It's so great. So Beef's, Beef's trying to run away, 
and um and and, oh, and now, this scene kind of confuses me because it's like first it he makes absolute sense he says it's like yeah i'm leaving this this is insane i just heard what sounded like you know a devil from beyond the grave telling me to not sing i'm not fucking singing but then the guy goes like oh you know you're probably just high or something like that and he's like hey man i know a drug high and a real high and that was done enough and then he goes like yeah well it's like you know um you know he says like if i'm not gonna do something it's not gonna be because i got stage fright all right stage fright. yeah it's because some fucking uh, it's because some creature from beyond doesn't want me to do it now gangway i love the and, way he said that yeah, line. <laughs> he's, he's trying to leave he's in his santa claus coat and he's got his two suitcases and yeah. and but philbin basically talks him into yeah, he's, i mean he's we don't back up. we don't see beef changing his mind we see beef yeah. being but it's kind of that like he's he's being fed a lot of pills he's being hauled up yep. the stairs he knows what he's supposed to be doing and he just kind of gives up on trying to run off and does the show yeah because he says like help the phantom yeah. help the phantom but he's but still going back right. <laughs> yeah yeah which you know and i think that's again it's like the music industry you have so many especially at that time you had so many people who were i mean Heck, I say at that time, but I mean, Demi Lovato's <laughs> talked about getting like fed diet pills like Judy Garland. And, mm, yeah, um, true. So, Damn. you know, so you've got this drug addled, manipulated singer who it's like maybe he knows he doesn't want to do the show, but, you know, he just doesn't kind of have the wherewithal to really follow through. Yeah. So then we get to see the actual show. And it starts out with the undead, who are, again, the Juicy Fruits, but apparently they're undead. They, they came back from the grave. They blown up. And they're it's a metaphor this, for how music is recycled or something. And they're in this, this kiss makeup, except it's apparently a reference to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Mm. And you've got these creepy, like, Victorian nurses who are also in the, in the black and white German expressionism makeup. And mm. they're doing this song that is just... <laughs> So like when you the lyrics are so ridiculous. Yeah. It's and the scene happening too is so cool. Like they do little things where like it's, like they have like plants in the audience that they mess with where it's like two guitars have like metal knives at the end of them and they poke someone in the audience and pick their shirt and, up or something so, like so that. So they're taking they like take an arm from an audience member yeah. and they take a torso from an audience member. Finally they take the head off an audience member and it's, all, it around. and it's all very like it's it's this is what you would see if you were seeing the stage show. Like it all looks stagey. Yeah. Um, it's it's not meant to look realistic, really. And right, then they, right. They put and then you've got these little like nurse creatures, and they've got a giant needle and thread, and they're stitching the body parts together oh, yeah. behind a screen. And the song is weird because it's like it's um they're these we we're not quite sure who these people are supposed to be. And again, this is all theoretically supposed to be about Faust. But they're singing about mm. how they need a man who's going to lead them and be their leader and and help them have fun while putting together. That's a true. Franken yeah, that's what the lyrics are. Yeah, while they're putting together a Frankenstein's monster, and then the Frankenstein's monster shows up, and that's Beef, and he sings mm. about you know you put the worst parts of yourselves together, and that's me, and I'm the evil you made by mm. putting all the worst parts of yourself together. So. I'm not sure what any of that has to do with Faust, uh, <laughs> but uh, not directly. Yeah. But Beef Beef starts singing, and um, and we see the Phantom who is busted out, and he's um, and he's hissing and growling and and oh, plotting yeah. while you know he sees Beef doing the thing Beef was not supposed to do, and Beef is just being so obnoxious, just prancing around and shaking his oh, ass God. and grimacing, <laughs> and I, I ugh, it's <laughs> um, and and. You know, and singing this this song and and gyrating and wearing these horribly upsetting, very tight 
shorts and um <laughs> and uh and and the phantom kills him oh yeah by throwing an actual like by throwing a neon lightning bolt yes. at him and electrocuting him sick and it's, it's not that he, he throws this neon or i guess it almost looks like he sends it down a string but i'm mm-hmm. not sure if yeah it's supposed to be getting thrown and it's just that the movie has a string or right it's, it's a breaking the moment the thing of like so he throws production it, value he throws the neon lightning bolt at beef and the lightning bolt electrocutes him but it seems to be part of the show, and so the audience yeah. is just like, yeah. And the way the camera does the sort of like stuttering effect where it mm-hmm. looks really weird, like how he's and, affecting it. Like, and then, yeah. And then Beef catches fire and just immolates on stage, and everybody's still just like, yeah. And so they throw the they throw the curtain down, and some people put Beef out, and uh, somebody pointed out that Beef is, so a lot of the characters have animal names. Beef is the only one named after a dead animal, oh. and he dies. Oh, damn. <laughs> right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but they, uh, I think it's Philbin who comes up to Phoenix and says, look, this psycho killed Beef so you, so you could sing, so get out there and sing. Yeah, and then she, ha- she has to follow it. In, in a number that, like, you know, in, in the movie, that's cool, like, a, oh, yeah, you have a down tempo number, but, like, an audience this hype, I don't think they want yeah, <laughs> something the audi- this low Well, tempo. it's funny because... So the- <laughs> they just saw a man burn right, to death. Like, I don't know if this is going to follow well, up. Yeah, it's funny because they do seem disappointed at first because they pull the curtain out, yeah. and all these people are, like, rioting up against the curtain, and they pull the curtain up, and it's just... It's just her standing there in a pretty white dress, and they all like, like kind of oh. turn around and go ah, and like just walk <laughs> away. And yeah, <laughs> um, and the Phantom has garroted the spotlight operator yeah. to take over the spotlight. Oh yeah, and and so a well spotlit Phoenix sings this very beautiful down tempo number, and the audience they're kind of like oh okay okay, and they like her by the end of it. Um, and then that's the moment when Phoenix becomes a fame monster. Yeah. Because she, right. she was, you know, because a big thing with her, and I think we didn't really touch on her audition number because we see her audition later I, where I, she's, you know, there was the casting couch, yeah. but then we see her get to actually audition yeah, her, and sing. And, and that's another, uh, that's the point particularly where I didn't like the blocking of it with how the camera works. Because it's like, this is supposed to be the, oh my god, this is the girl moment. And the way it's blocked with the camera just seems like it's supposed to not be. Like, we're supposed to, like, subvert our expectations. Because, like, at the end of the number, she, like... It's like a wide shot where it seems like it's not really focusing on her, and then she like sings really big, and then like does a dance where she like dances out of the building, and then just like awkwardly shuffles back in. She like awkwardly dances off, and then dances, and then like runs back on to grab her hat, and it's so funny. But it was like I thought that was hilarious. Like it was funny, but in that way where it was just like, but wait, are you trying to show me as this is the it girl? Well, because at that point, it's like I'm never sure what we're supposed to think quite about Phoenix because she does have a good voice. Yeah. She does have a good voice, but I think it's also that the main point is that Winslow is enamored of her, possibly because she was the only one of the initial audition he saw who wasn't a horrible singer. (laughs) Like, he comes into Mm. this caterwauling house full of girls going like, (laughs) and then, you know, Phoenix is actually a good singer and he's immediate, and she's pretty and he's immediately enamored of her. So, and then again, even in the real audition, like the girl that we hear singing the audition piece right before Phoenix can't carry a tune. Yeah. Which I'm like, as 
as somebody who's done musical auditions, like, wouldn't it be nice if you were literally the only person who wasn't tone deaf? <laughs> wouldn't that be great? <laughs> oh, man. It reminds me I got of, this one in the bag. <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, I was once practicing a Shakespeare monologue for an audition, and somebody was watching, and he said, wow, if you can remember that whole thing, they're definitely going to give you the part. <laughs> 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 um, so, you know, I feel like Phoenix is... You know, she's, yeah, she's good. I get, but but, but yeah. I think a big part of it is that Winslow is obsessed with her. I mean, just like Christine in The Phantom of the Opera right. is not necessarily the most amazing opera singer. It's mm. just that the Phantom is fixated on her, and that's the point. Yeah, and so... Um... So, 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 but Phoenix, you know, she's, she's this very like, I'm not going to get on the casting couch. I'm a real singer. Let me sing. Um, and, and, you know, and she is determined. And I mean, I think it's not just that she's too high and mighty to get on the casting couch. It's that she realizes the girls getting on that casting couch never get to sing. Yeah. And she's like, I do want to sing. They're they're auditioning to be swan groupies. Yeah. Um, but she, in that moment, gets her taste of the audience, and mm. she's just instantly like the fame monster. She's, oh, yes, give me more. Yeah. I'm, I am now a superstar. I need this and this and nothing else but this for the rest of my life. And she goes off stage to, like, you know, prep herself because Swan's, like, you know, gotten in her ear and told her all that good stuff about how things are going to be. And, and, and then, she kind of has a moment of, like, oh, oh, did Beef die? Oh, oh, well. But, right. But, but and, I'm famous now. And then, uh, uh, um, uh, the phantom gets to her and he's like you know you can't do this look at what happened to me and like points it out like they're carrying him out on a stretcher <laughs> like yeah, the man the, is the, dead the phantom <laughs> tries to appeal and and tells her who he is and shows and shows her his his horrid face um and she and she basically just says i don't care i'm famous i like this i got what i wanted you can't tell me what to do and she goes off with Swan, and she seems to be—and uh, she seems to be genuinely, if not in love with Swan, happily sleeping with him because yeah. she's. Yeah, I mean, like, that's what ruined the thing. Where I was like, but I thought earlier you were like, oh, I'm well, all about except, this, you except know? that I mean, no, I mean, but that's the thing is like her sleeping with Swan then isn't oh I'm gonna sl-. like she's already gotten what she wants, and mm. her sleeping with him seems to be she's genuinely really happy and really grateful mm. to him, and is like yeah yeah. Well, Okay, let's, I see. Let's do it. Let's celebrate. Because like, it felt like such a specific, like, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure Swan's character is specifically doing it to twist the knife in yeah, on right? on him, and it was so set up and framed that way, where it's like, especially when you see the scene, mm-hmm. the very long scene of him crying over hit uh, over oh, Swan having sex with her, sitting on the sunroof. And yeah, crying. it was just felt like oh. a, a very weird cuckold moment afterwards. Yeah. Like, okay, dude, are you just gonna keep watching him making out with her? Yeah. <laughs> like, because, I mean, but that's the thing is like Phoenix. I mean, I think her sleeping with Swan is is not. You know, it's upsetting to Winslow, obviously. Yeah, but she's but, he has her she has her own motivation. She, yeah, for she just it, genuinely right? wants to sleep with Swan in I that get moment. You. I and, get you what you're um and Winslow There is also the moment in the previous scene when uh Winslow abducts Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, Phoenix, not even asked, straight up says, uh th- the freak who killed Beef is on the roof. Yeah. Like, straight up sells him out. Right. Well, like, <laughs> she immediately is like, fuck that guy. I saw his face. He's fucking weird looking. Yeah. Well, and, and there he, he is. Go he, find him. And he, thre- and he, I mean, whether intentionally or not, threatened her and told her, you can't keep doing this thing yeah. that you yeah. just had a great time doing. Um, you know, yeah. It's your goal in oh, life. Stop and right, doing it. She didn't know who he was until the end, right? Because it's the... It, I, she, yeah, she didn't believe him, I guess. Yeah. Or, or even if she did, I mean, 
mean, I think, yeah, it's like she just had a great time. She just achieved her goal, living the dream. And now this weirdo who just killed her co-star told her that, you know, she's not allowed to do the thing that. You know, that is a good point. He did kill, like, he's saying, look at the, what fame did to that person. Like, in a sense, like, oh, you know, Swan is taking advantage of the fact that this person died for his club. Yeah, sure, that's bad. But it was still you that actually did the killing. Right, <laughs> and, like, you know, Winslow also later is like, Swan took my voice. Swan did all this. You got, you broke in, right. you got, you, you got, got stuck in the record press. In, yeah, like, Swan, didn't, <laughs> oh, Swan didn't put you in the record press. Well, and, and, no, you, you snuck in in the dress in the rehearsal. Like, all these things, you, they were easily preventable. Yeah. I also, I think that Phoenix is a really great character because um, she's not this, she's, she's very multidimensional in that, mm. Winslow sees her as, oh, you know, my perfect innocent angel who would right. never betray me, even though he has no reason to think she has any loyalty. Exactly, to yeah, because she but, doesn't talk know, to him that much, yeah. But she's also not just some conniving femme fatale who will do anything it takes or whatever. I get she's, what you're saying. She's a driven singer who wants to be a singer, who finds success and is like, cool, I'm famous now. This is what I wanted. I want to keep doing this. Mm. This is great. And she just seems like a very real person. And in that, she's not this perfect and innocent angel. And she's also not, you know, and she's also not like a monster for being right, freaked out right. that this guy who murdered somebody <laughs> is now grabbing her and telling her you can't do your job anymore. Right. You know, um, and, and I, and I like, put it in perspective. <laughs> right. And I like that, that she isn't, you know, just sort of painted one way or the other. Mm. Um, and that, okay, and, I guess and also, uh, you know, her name being phoenix she's also like the survivor like through all this crazy stuff happening she's she's you know staying alive through it and mm. rising up from beef's ashes mm. um so- there was there was a shot earlier we didn't mention but it was when the fiend is when winslow screams when he realizes he's uh he's been uh like barricaded in and they have they have the brick wall in front of the door and everyone reacts to it, and Beef is scared as shit. And Beef goes and finds Philbin, and is just like, was just like, don't you even know what's going on in your own house, man? And there's a shot, and I love that they zoomed in on it, where I'm guessing he has like, Beef's I didn't even see where buckle? they, oh yeah, the antler the bell antler buckle poking <laughs> Philbin's belly. Yes. <laughs> I fucking love it. And at the end of the movie where they're doing like the little like montage of the shots for each that, character, that, yeah. they included that one for beef. Yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, You're they know. wearing a pair of antlers as a belt buckle. Yeah, beef is great. so dope. Yeah. Oh my God. Beef does have some, some interesting wardrobe. Yeah. I got to admit, out of all the characters that died... Beef was the only one I was sad about. (laughs) Well, for one thing, Beef is the, I think the first, uh, I think he's the first named character who dies. Uh, You know, I mean, like, Mm. you know, we see the Juicy Fruits get blown up, but Beef is the first character that we've really, like, gotten to know as a person Mm. who dies. Yeah. And he's also very similar to Eddie in uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that like he get, he's the one who gets killed, and he's like the crazy True. rock and roll guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, uh, so, oh yeah, so so that scene 
where Winslow once again kind of stalkery goes to the Swanage and he's like up on the roof, <laughs> like like laying on the sunroof and watching Swan and Phoenix, uh, you know, canoodling in the and, bed. And meanwhile, like. Uh, uh, Swan has cameras everywhere, right? So he's watching. Yeah, Swan knows. <laughs> he Swan knows. knows Winslow's up on the <laughs> yeah. roof. So he's and, watching Winslow watching him. And Winslow, like the biggest dick. <laughs> right, and Winslow tries to kill himself, which is a moment that yeah. kind of, it's like a fake out where it almost seems like the end of the movie. Yeah. And then Swan mm. comes out in his pajamas and looks down at Winslow, who is alive you know, well, he pulls out the knife, like, the knife and then he like, grasps uh, back to oh, life, like, huh? Like, like, oh, you can't get away from me that easily. We signed this contract. And it's and such a cool looking scene because, like, it's so, like, the wind is blowing and all that stuff. So his, like, hair and stuff looks particularly. Dark, it's a dark and stormy night. Yeah. And so as he's pulling it out, it looks even especially darker. And he's just like, what do you think you're doing? You're under contract. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the fan goes, well, fuck it, I'll kill you. And he goes, like, Pfft. I'm under contract too. <laughs> yeah. And that's when it kind of unfolds that it's like, oh, he's right. on, the, on the devil's payroll. We get a lot of backstory really quickly where, um, Oh God. Where, yeah. So, um, because I think it's, it's after that, that there's a lot of, of quick cuts, but, um, Swan, we find out has decided that he, he's, he gets Phoenix to sign a contract also, and that he's going to, have her killed on stage because that's going to be a great, great parade. Yeah, record producer, like, um, st- why would you k- kill so many of your own records? <laughs> it's like, do you want the well, music to come out that you can actually like sell? Eddie, just like the ballad of Eddie at the beginning, a dead, a dead star sells a lot but of albums. This is true, but like, but they goddamn, can sell more if they make more. Yeah, and also, can they record the first? Because as far as we're concerned, this has all been like it hasn't even been a full two days. Like, yeah, I, 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 they I'm haven't not, had time to make any music. I'm to not sell. sure what the timeline is there. <laughs> But Winslow, um, Winslow breaks into Swan's office, I think, and watches all these videos that Swan has. And, oh, yeah. And sees this, the first one where uh, a young Swan, uh, and, and there's a little bit where a, a woman who is supposed to look a lot older than him, I think his Oh, hair, that's right. I think his hair and glasses threw me off because Swan is supposed to look about 30 and I, and he looked mm. a lot older to me, and so it, it threw me off when I was and like, "Oh, also, he's supposed to look preternaturally young." And also, I think like us looking back at the seventies, that just looks like the seventies guy look. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not really like a yeah. like you could be a star in, in your late forties in the seventies and look like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he's <laughs> supposed to look about thirty, and so a woman who I again is supposed to look much older is like, "Oh, oh yeah. that's that we were sweethearts in high school," and so you go, "What?" And then. Uh, and then Winslow finds this video where, uh, in the fifties, I guess, from his hair, um, a a thirty year old uh, Swan is uh, making a video of his about to be bathtub suicide, saying he's getting old and he just can't stand to see his beautiful face ravaged by time, and is about to slash his wrist. And he's in this super luxe bathtub that's surrounded by mirrors. And his reflection, mm. and this is super effective and creepy, yeah. his reflection mm. starts talking to him. Yeah, and he's like, what are you doing? I, oh, hey, don't waste a soul. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, uh, and basically the reflection that is the devil offers him eternal youth in exchange for his soul. And also he has to film himself every day and watch the film and that's when we we, we sort of start to piece together that he has to film himself every day and watch the film. And on camera, he looks and sounds horrific, 
so there you've got that picture of Dorian Gray thing going on, and that's why mm. we saw him earlier watching his film, and he sounded like the Crypt Keeper on the video mm. and was sort of cringing at it. Um, and also why he doesn't let himself get filmed. And when he's mm. going on television to have this staged wedding with Phoenix, he's wearing this silver mask that entirely... Oh, and earlier in the movie, <laughs> anytime it shows, yeah. like, it pans up to him and you see the people looking at him, like, he's in the dark, you don't see him. Right, right, like, yeah. because he, yeah. Can't, he can't be filmed. Um, and so Winslow's watching all of this, and, he, and then he burns the videos that are necessary for swan to retain his eternal youth. oh that's what's happening okay keep, so those videos the, the video thing is a little complicated because he has to keep making more videos because well, i was thinking like well how does he kill him at the end if he's under contract he, yeah in order for swan to stay alive and youthful he has to keep all the videos and watch them every day and and um so winslow burns all the videos and then we see this see, this show i found this last show so much creepier than like the darkness and Frankenstein and the undead and the thunder and lightning. I found mm -hmm. this last show so much more disturbing and unsettling because it's this bright lit. It's this like super, super bright lit stage with these, uh, these girls, these show girls in these giant. Oh, feathery, yeah. It looks like all, a Vegas show sort of. Yeah. yeah. And they're all like pale white chorus girls, um, wearing black, like, Crow, like feathery black crow costumes, you know, like the big feathery chorus girl mm -hmm. costumes, but they're all just mm -hmm. black feathers like crows. Yeah, it looks like yeah, yeah, it looks like a, and, like a flamingo thing, but instead black instead and, of pink. And they're all like doing this little dance to these drum beats, and there's like just kind of tubby shirtless guys passing spears back and forth, um, and this this drumming. Oh and yeah, and then there's and like some bright colors on stage, and it looks like a really disturbing fever dream version of laughing uh <laughs> and, and and swan comes on stage and phoenix is just like and this is supposed to be like his wedding to phoenix and she is just wearing this sort of very ordinary like flowy 70s lady almost like not quite a muumuu but like mm. it's like she does not look like she's about to have a wedding or even be on stage she looks yeah. like and she right. looks like a therapist yeah and he's not actually getting married right because he's just got philbin to play well, well he says I, I don't it's it, he says philbin you're gonna be the priest and philbin is like oh i've never gotten to be a priest and then philbin's like dressed like a bishop on stage yeah um and it's very with sunglasses <laughs> very weird he looks like jim jones yeah um yeah and so there's all this thing happening on stage they're about to have this staged wedding and winslow shows up and what is I'm I'm blanking on this now. What does he do? Is he stab Swan? It's like okay, so someone has a gun that they're planning oh, to shoot. Oh, that's right. Because so yeah, so Swan was gonna have Phoenix shot like right at the moment of the wedding, but the Phantom yeah. stops the gunman by like shoving the gun right as he fires, and so Philbin gets shot through the head instead. Yeah. I, I just kept thinking, like, how long exactly does he expect to keep signing new talent with this shit? Like, th there's a reason uh, uh, Death Row Records didn't exactly get an influx of talent the year after Tupac died. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to oh, say? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so Winslow then, like, leaps down onto the stage and attacks oh, yeah. Swan, and Swan's mask comes off, and we see him now... 
because his oh, phone's yeah. been destroyed that we see him what he must have been looking like and it, he doesn't even look like old he looks like his face has just... been he looks like somebody tried to shave his entire face with a vegetable peel <laughs> yeah. like his face yeah. just like, looks like strips of raw meat and he's like, and he starts trying to strangle Phoenix. Your lies, I need your lies. And it's it's utter chaos. And the audience, the whole time, much like with Beast Death, they just think this is all part of the show. Right. And there's this one yep. guy. There is this one guy <laughs> who looks like the chick from Die Antwoord, and he's like he's like this shirtless guy with a blonde mullet who is just super excited, and yes. I could not take oh, my yeah. eyes off. And I remember being like, "Wait, were we supposed to know who that was?" Guy no, was? He, he's just he's just an extra in the audience who's super fucking excited <laughs> and is like jumping up and down the whole time. I could not. This was like my third time watching the movie and my second time watching it in recent memory and I could not stop watching this guy. I was like, wait, what is he doing? <laughs> so it's utter chaos. Swan's flipping out and dying and then of course Winslow because Winslow has killed Swan and destroyed the videos. Now Winslow's stab wound reopens and Winslow's dying. And, yeah, he, and doing the similar crawl to what he did when he first became the crawling Phantom. crawling across the stage uh, and is... Oh, is Swan burning? I think that's what's. I think that's why Swan looks like that. I, I think Swan is burning because the videos mm. were burning. So Swan's like melting, oh. um, and Winslow's like crawling, and, and Phoenix is like horrified, reeling back. And Winslow, his mask comes off, and so we see his record pressed face, and like one of his eyeballs is kind of like melted. Half yeah, out, yeah. And he's he's crawling across, and um, and ends up. Uh, and and Phoenix at the last minute realizes that Winslow saved her. Yeah. Um, he he crawls to the edge of the stage and you kind of see him just like pass out and she just kind of has the realization of like he saved him and also maybe like who he actually is. Yeah. And the scene and you get that fucking ADR Winslow. Right. <laughs> and and it... the most like oh I couldn't quite hear that in the recording. <laughs> uh, they just added that last second because you hear the room noise. Yeah. It's just like. It's like Winslow. Yeah. Like it sounds it, it so almost, different than everything I else. Think I registered that as an intentional effect. Like he, like he hears her saying his name and it drowns oh. everything out. So I mean, you're probably okay. Right. You're probably right that that was just, uh, you know. I'll buy that though. But, but, I like but, that. Like, I mean, if it was unintentional, you know, death of the author, whether Brian De Palma meant to do that, yeah. that's what happened. So you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we created that moment as an audience. Um, but yeah, and then we get this aerial shot that actually, for for all that we're saying, you know, it is very a very different movie from Rocky Horror, despite the inevitable comparisons. Um, but that aerial shot, in a way, kind of reminds me of the you know insects crawling on the planet's face, uh, and too because it's that this you know you just see this utter chaos, and the music I think is still going this like drumby yeah. and the and it, it, it yeah. has a sort of feeling of like you know. Um, like, I'm sure you didn't mean to specifically say, like, oh, you know, seven, modern 70s music is bad and of the devil. Like, I'm sure he's not, like, intentionally going for that. But it kind of gave me that feeling of, like, you know, those, like, Dragnet episodes where they show, like, the hippies on drugs that are, like, awful and well, awful. Oh, you know, it kind of has that look to I it, mean, you know. The audience is scary. The yeah. audience is, like... <laughs> like, these... 
these people who just look like if they got a little more excited, they would literally like pull Phoenix apart and eat yeah. her. Yeah, and, and, and like the end of perfume. And there's that level where I was Spoiler. like, you know, <laughs> and there's that level where it's like, oh, maybe it's an indictment of the audience. Like, oh, look at these, this ravenous crowd and what they love. And earlier uh, in the movie, Swan says like, you know, the people want reality or something like that. So that's what I'm giving it to them. Like, they love this. And so it's like, you know, you could say it's like, oh, it's what the people want, but also, like, Swan is specifically instigating and stoking this by specifically trying to, like, because he wanted someone else to die that night, right? Like, he wanted to heighten things, yeah. you know? And so, like, it is partially on him that he's making this audience like this, you know? Yeah. Like, he wants that drama. I did feel, I did feel there was a slight kids these days. Right. Kind of. <laughs> well, uh, especially yeah. when... Especially after Beef dies and they're wheeling his body out on the stretcher and the whole sea of audience is still, like, chanting for Beef, thinking it was part of the performance or or not even, or just knowing what they saw and still craving more. And it cuts to the inside the limo and Philbin is there with Swan. And Philbin is fucking shook from it. Like, he's he's the fucking audience insert. He's just sitting there like... What the fuck did I just see? Like, a man just died on stage. And Swan just goes, yeah, it was quite the spectacle. And that was just yeah. it. Yeah. Like, he knows. He Like, yeah, it was a spectacle. The audience loved but, it. Right. Now what's next? But, anyway. But it's like, it's th- like he's just a hunk of meat to them. Yeah, but, oh, oh. but yeah. you also, but, but, you, but you also get the feeling that, like, if this was set in the 90s, you know, it would be like, the lead singer would die, and then he'd fall into the crowd, and he'd be crowd surfed around. Oh, you know, yeah, like, yeah. it would be that joke, yep. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I look at how mindless these teens are, you know, like oh, and and you know, desensitized. The, well, and the drugs are definitely, which again, I mean, you can like see it as sort of pearl clutching, but also the music, like music executives making their people take drugs to it's make them perform. And, and also, like Phoenix, when we see uh, the video of Swan getting Phoenix to sign her contract, she definitely seems high. Yeah, yeah, um, and. Mm. I think it's implied because, you know, you've got this sort of chain of Winslow and Phoenix signed with Swan and he signed with the devil. And it seems that it's sort of this chain going back. And then when Swan's videos are destroyed, it seems that it has released Phoenix. So her soul is saved at the end, basically. Mm. Kind of like Faust, uh, you know, the uh, Margarita gets saved at the end, you know? Yeah. 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 And we, and we don't, um... Uh, I like that it doesn't, you know, it, the as part of the fast paced, the fast pace overall of the movie, the ending doesn't drag either. There's no, there's no sort of wrap up or, or there's no. Um, yeah, it just pulls back there, from the insane scene. Yeah, it's like, there, well. there's no sort of epilogue <laughs> moment. We don't see like one year later, here's Phoenix and she's singing in a club and yeah. she's doing better or whatever. Like, <laughs> it's just, no, like, you just have to imagine what's going on with them after yeah. after all that. Well, it is like like those old 50s movies where it's like, the ba-dum, boom moment yeah. and now the credits. And, yeah. and then we get this super fun qu- credit sequence that's yeah. just clips from the movie with song, with this song sung again by Paul Williams uh, <laughs> called mm-hmm. Good For Nothing, Bad and Bad. And it's all about how after you did, no one's gonna care. It doesn't matter nothing, anyway. bad and bad. Nobody hates you any better. Or no, wait, wait, what is it? Good for nothing, bad and bad. We all hate you any better off day. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's like, so, so like, good. dark. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 
really, it's like this poppy, and it's got this little circus-sounding, like, mm-hmm. calliope. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's showing all, like, the best clips it's, from the movie. It's <laughs> great. It is great. And and the lyrics of the song also kind of, like, line up with the characters and the moments. Yeah. It's, fan- it's a fantastic ending. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I fucking love this movie. This... The it, it uh the soundtrack apparently got really big in Winnipeg. Hmm. Um, they have a <laughs> festival. There's a Phantom Festival, and I heard this story from Brian De Palma. That's like one of those inspiring artist stories where he said after he made this movie and it was such a flop and he felt like such a failure and he thought he was never going to have a career after that. And then he went to Mexico and this little Mexican boy came up to him clutching the soundtrack album and said, I love this movie so much. You're such an inspiration to me. Thank you for making this. You're a genius. And then it turned out that that little boy was Guillermo del Toro. And now ah! you know the rest of the and story. Then, the and the then the dying clapped. But no, like... But, but, you know, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a movie that you can tell why it wasn't a commercial success, Yeah. but it is such, it's so charming with how it's like, it it, it is such, like, it shows its budget in a way, but you're just like, but it's so creative with how they made these scenes pull off. I think people love it for the same reason people love Rocky Horror Picture Show, Mm. um, and I love it, and I, I like, you know, we talked about Rocky Horror, we did that, and I like Rocky Horror, I love Phantom. Really? Now, um, see, I still feel like I love Rocky Horror at the end of the day because the aesthetics for me are so much more like pulling in for me than this movie, which I, I still feel is good, but doesn't like grab me in the same way still that I feel like uh, um, well, Rocky it, Horror Yeah, does. I mean, I can say in, in either case, I think we can all agree that both films are far superior to the other sort of cult circuit movie that's gotten big, The Room. Oh, yes. I, I tried watching it. I got uh, it on DVD, and I was so excited. I once also got in a huge argument on Facebook over The Room that had nothing to do with its aesthetics, and just, like, arguing with somebody getting mad when I said that you can't stream The Room and you have to buy a DVD. Because, anyway, it's a, it's a whole thing. I got accused of mansplaining because I said The Room wasn't on Netflix, um, <laughs> oh, okay. But, uh, the room, uh, the room is just bad, and it was made by a horrible person yeah. who can't do anything well, and, and who got too much money in the first fucking place. Because yeah. as soon as you look back into it, it's like, oh, I mean, this guy like, had like rich parents the, who were able to right, set him up. With like him. the room was a movie made by a terrible person with no taste and way too much money. Yeah. Whereas Rocky Horror, and it's boring. Like the room is just bad and boring, and mm. it really makes me kind of mad that people pay so much attention to it because it's like <laughs> it's bad like so what whoop de doo yeah. whereas Phantom and Rocky Horror both it's like yeah they're like kind of schlocky like in their campy but, but they're not bad yeah you know? it, and I think like the, the charm people... of it is in aid of something that is deeper happening within the narrative right because you know yeah because the music also in Phantom is like genuinely super fun mm-hmm. and I think even though it's like like with the song at the beginning of the the beef song the, you know somebody super like you the lyrics are weird and quirky and yeah. kind of off and a little off but like it's still a fun song and I think so mm. many people, like, they look at this camp stuff and they're like, oh, people like it because it's bad. And it's like, no, it's it's not bad. It's just not slick. Yeah, it's not fitting to this idea of what uh, an aesthetic repre- uh, representation in, like, film is supposed to look like, right? In, in that same way that, like, abstract uh, 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 a 
avant-garde, you know, shit, and like French New Wave isn't doing the conventional things that you expect. Now they're doing it for a more directly, you know, smarty art reason, but like they're breaking the convention, not just because they don't know what they're doing, but because there's something else that they're thinking about, like with Rocky Horror, the music and like the queer representation and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like there's more going on than just, oh, this is bad on purpose, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's not, like, Brian De Palma was not sitting there going, I'm going to make a bad movie. Yeah. He made a, a movie he clearly wanted to make because yeah. nobody else, nobody asked him to do this. Yeah, this had a lot of ambition. And no. And that's what's so great is, like, like he. this was not a movie that he sat down and going, what would be really marketable? What would really yeah. sell to an audience right now? Like, this was just, a, it's it, the passion is so clearly there. Muse, what do you think? I feel like it's so easy for us because we're sitting next to each other. To yeah, right. <laughs> so, Muse, what do you think? I feel like if this movie was marketed better at the time, I feel like this could have been right up there with a Rocky Horror, especially with the way, like, audience interaction. Like, I think people would be talking about this movie as much. I think it's... Almost apples and oranges to compare them as movies because mm-hmm. of the style, but I think just as a cult classic from that time period and just how it's just drenched in camp and that general aesthetic that I think people would have resonated with this movie as much with uh, with a Rocky Horror and it wouldn't just kind of be a kind of forgotten film. For the most part. Like, I don't think it really gets talked about. It doesn't... It's not as big in the discussion yeah, and, 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 as, well, as like, a Rocky Horror or even, yeah. like, a fucking shock treatment gets probably brought yeah, up more than this. Well, but, it, but to that point, like, because those... I feel like those are framed more specifically like musicals that people who are into the specific musical aesthetic, like, would enjoy more, right? Like, you're going to gravitate mm. towards that because this looks like a, um, a movie made by someone who's making a big, fun musical in mind, as opposed to this movie, which, like, still feels like a movie movie, but it has the musical elements on it. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I was trying well, to say Well, it doesn't earlier, you know? have that, you know, it's... It doesn't have, like, the big it, dance number where, like, oh, yeah, everyone's going to want to do this part, well, you know? Well, and, like, and it also just, you know, from a strictly formal point of view... You know, Phantom of the Paradise is kind of not a musical. Like, yeah. it's technically, mm. I don't, it sounds weird we'll, to we'll say it's, it's, it's clearly not realism because, you know, there's deals with the <laughs> devil and all that. But in terms of whether it's a musical or not, it's, it's a, it's realism, ignoring the fantasy elements. It's realism because the characters don't burst into song in you know they, they the characters sing for reasons that people would actually sing in real life yeah yeah it's and, not to illustrate just you know, an emotion that and, you're and having, that's yeah. fine i mean i don't hate musicals but i also love this movie and don't need it to be a musical yeah yeah for um, sure but no i was just saying like you know. it's probably the reason why i didn't catch on because it doesn't frame itself like it's a musical you know what i'm saying yeah. like yeah yeah and so I could see it, it being harder to catch on because it doesn't have that element that looks like, oh, yeah, this is the big, you know, like, damn it, Janet. Like, there's no number that looks like the big fun thing where everyone's moving around like that. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no, let's do the time well, warp. You movie, know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's not a musical. It's a movie, yeah, yeah. It's a movie about music. That That's very true. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. But, um, yeah, any... It's a strong recommendation for me, though. If, oh, yeah. If you're like me... And you've just kind of heard about it in passing. 
um, but you've never really given it the time of day, never actually sat down and watched it. Man, when I say it's an hour and 30 minutes and it fucking flies by. It's super, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It it really doesn't feel as. It doesn't even feel its length at an hour thirty. It fucking blows by. I love the pacing of it. We've uh, we've talked about it on going off sometimes on how like movies feel like they have to be a specific way to be a movie mm-hmm. and that it needs to be so fucking descriptive. And the way this just cuts out all the unnecessary shit and gives you exactly what you want. They know you've seen what the Phantom looks like. They know you want to see that costume. Right. Let's fucking get to it as quickly as we can not padding it at all and it really makes you feel for the characters um i don't know if i necessarily sympathized with swan at all (laughs) once you kind of realize that he is also like he is indebted also like and like i said like i felt more for beef than i did I know, Beef, for Beef didn't Winslow. Do yeah. Beef didn't do anything wrong. Beef, tr- he was a musician. Beef tried to get out twice, and still, like, they forced his All hand. All did was and his just... job, which was to sing. Right. He was a true professional. He realized what he needed to right. do, and he and he died for the music, like the song from... Uh, from the beginning. Yeah. Hey, yeah, just, just for like Beef. Eddie. Maybe the movie was all about Beef. <laughs> Maybe. That's all I'm saying. Maybe we we need Beef was wronged. Yeah, we need beef his backstory. <laughs> we need a Beef-centric 2021 reimagining. <laughs> Where he is a struggling we, artist just trying oh, to make his way. <laughs> you know what? A Beef prequel. I would totally watch a Beef prequel by Brian De Palma. <laughs> a Beef prequel. A Beef prequel. I want it. Be, yeah, like Phantom of the Beef. Or what if? What if he isn't really dead and they were wrong and he survived the burning and now he's a burnt beef? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh shit! Well beef. done. He's well done. <laughs> <laughs> he's brisket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this printed. This has been the review of going out crossover, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think that's a good place to end it, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, if you can't do better, yeah. Than if that. you want to, you know, follow us and whatever we're doing, you can look in the, the, the wherever the fuck the social medias are where. This is... I'm sure you'll be able to see it. They're in the description, yeah. regardless. All the descriptions, wherever the fuck they are. Look, they're there. Can't click with my ears. <laughs> where you look, that's where they are. That's right. Um, so thank you for listening uh, for this special episode. Uh, the review anew. What, what did we say earlier? The review off. The going anew. The going anew. Yeah. For, uh, ah. 2021 and forever. Take it over for the 21 and the, the 22. 22 season. <laughs> Musa Narcy and Evan. Oh, 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 100 going, episodes. Going, going anew. <laughs> <laughs>